You're listening to Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast with your boy Eman. Yo, what is up, everybody? Your boy Eman coming at you with episode 87. That's right, baby. I'm coming up to you with an exclusive right now. This past week, I happened to come, well, not come across, but it fell in my lap. The footage for episode 7 and 8 for The Last Dance. And unfortunately, I cannot post this on my YouTube channel because I'm going to get a copyright on it and I'm probably going to get, you know, sued. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play as many clips, audio clips uh, from the footage and react on them. I'm going to give you my breakdown on episode seven. I'm going to give you what I think the best parts of of this episode was. And uh, I'm going to do just one episode for episode seven and then I'm going to post and publish and get busy with episode eight. But an exclusive Before it airs on Sunday, your boy right here just saw episode seven and eight. And man, it was just blazing. It was hot. It was insane. Episode seven dives into a lot of stuff about Michael, man. It's running that a lot of the bulk of the episode is between 94, 93, 94 when he retired and goes to baseball. Biggest meat and potatoes of this episode is the 93, 94 season when he retires for the first time. And I got a lot of audio for you guys. I wish I could show you the video, uh, but I will be tweeting out a lot of these clips that I am going to be letting you hear today through my podcast. If you guys all follow me on Twitter, go ahead and do so at Joe's Talk and Twitter, all right, guys? We got to go back. That was the year also that Michael Jordan lost his father. His father was murdered in one completely unexplainable way. And, you know, we all know that Michael Jordan's dad was his rock. He was there for every game. He was his, he was a patriarch. He was the one who reached up for advice every time. He was there for him and the good times and the bad times. He was the man that molded Michael to be the man that he is, that he was at that time, that he is today. And like anybody else, like anybody's father, uh, Michael Jordan's dad was his rock. And I can relate. I lost my dad four years ago to cancer. And actually, it's been six years old with cancer. And, you know, I miss him every day. Yeah, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm 42 years old. I got two kids. I got a wife. I got a career. And let me tell you something, there's not a day that passes by that I look around and I'd be like, damn, I wish I had my old man here to uh, run something by him. And that's the same thing that Michael Jordan was. His dad was the one that gave him direction because he was a kid. But it's funny because this episode starts of him, you know, being worn out at the 93 season, all the gambling talk about after the 93 season with the Knicks and all that, everything that came up in, in, you know, in uh, episode six. And the reason why I'm not doing, I'm not reacting to episode five and six, because I want to give you guys this content before it airs out on Monday. I mean, on Sunday, it was kind of it. It was what drew the line, uh, what probably drove him, his dad being murdered, to retire the first time around. Let's uh, let's go ahead. Let me check this audio here. This is kind of Michael Jordan. People actually start pointing the finger at him, thinking that maybe his gambling habits has nothing to do with his dad's passing. You know, maybe somebody put a hit on his dad because Michael Jordan owed too much money, which was pretty ridiculous. And the fact that right now he was already burned out from all the problems with the season, uh, all the talks, his dad passing away was probably the, the kicker, not probably was the kicker to kind of drove him to take a break from the NBA and pursue a different career after that. Enjoy the clip. Basketball superstar Michael Jordan issued a statement Thursday. He expressed that he was outraged by some media speculation linking his behavior to his father's murder. Jordan said, I simply cannot comprehend how others could intentionally pour salt in my open wound by insinuating that the stakes in my life or in some way connected to my father's death. There isn't a thimble's worth of evidence to connect that horrible incident to Michael Jordan's gambling or any other aspect of Michael Jordan's behavior. Police said it was no more than brutality and greed. 
that James Jordan, quote, could have been any one of us. What is still unclear and will be for some time is what effect this tragedy will have on Michael Jordan and his future with the Chicago Bulls. Basketball. I haven't even thought about basketball. I didn't even think about basketball before all this happened. So uh, right now, you know, it's, everything's tender for my schedule from this point on. David Fall came over to me at a charity dinner that was sponsored by Michael and said, you're not going to believe this, but Michael wants to retire. I said, I don't believe it. At that time, we were coming off of three championships. I fulfilled my responsibility to the city, to the Bulls, to my teammates. I did not try to talk him out of it, but I did say to him, you can't make a final decision until you talk to Phil. What was that meeting? Ryan's office in the Berto Center. Yeah. And I told Phil, I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm about here. I'm about done. I have no more challenges. I have no motivation. I was done. This was uh, you know, a young man that gone through some heart-rending things. You're denying a gift to society, but I understand. You know, I understand. Miles, really. Jerry Reinstorf, Bill Jackson, Jerry Krause, NBA Commissioner David Stern, even in attendance. It looks like the Last Supper. This is a, a very bittersweet day. There's a certain sadness because the greatest athlete to ever play a team sport is leaving the game. But it's really, for me, a very, very happy day because somebody who I admire and respect is doing exactly what he wants to do. And I'm absolutely convinced that he's doing the right thing. Michael? Thanks, sir. I'm a very optimistic person. And it's the biggest positive thing that I can take out of uh, you know, my father not being here with me today is that he saw my last basketball game. And that means a lot. Um, the word retire means uh, you can do anything you want from this day on. So if I desire to come back and play again, maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe that's the challenge that I may need someday down the road. I'm not going to close that door. I was at peace with that decision. Totally, 100%. You know, the man decides to retire, and it's funny, if you read between the lines in that press conference right after all the uh, media hoopla and uh, tension about his old father passing away, even pointing the fingers at him, which was completely ludicrous, it was a fact of Michael Jordan, you know, he decided he needed a break. And when he even said, maybe time off of basketball is what I need to get myself motivated again to hopefully come back. And, you know, back then, I remember this because in 93, I was 14 or 15, three years, 50, yeah, I was 15 years old. 93 or 94, I was 15 years old. And I remember that seeing this on TV was like, all right, here we go, baby. Jordan is retired. The GOAT is gone. I'm sorry, but not sorry because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks going to win the championship next year. It's funny because that's exactly what I thought. Not having as much media outlets that we have today, you know, with podcasting and, and the website and Twitter and social media and all the bloggers and stuff like that. Because the Internet back then, boys and girls, wasn't as, as easily available as it is today or as cheap as it is today. It's funny. You didn't see the backstories like you're able to see now. If, if, if this news would have broken today, it would have been a lot more breakdown and more and more 
more, I guess, analysis behind it and more detail for these reporters. But back then, it was kind of a huge shock. It was one of the biggest shock in sports. And it was crazy because, you know, there he, he retired. And nobody knew why until rumor gets out that Michael Jordan wants to play baseball for the White Sox. You know, Reinsdorf is the owner of the White Sox as well. So it makes perfect sense. The fact that he probably spoke this with his dad before he passed away, that he, what he was thinking of doing, you know, it, it was, he went to play baseball for the White Sox in the minor leagues. And it was crazy because nobody knew anything about it. And they leaked at a White Sox game. Let me play you this next audio. Uh, check out the next clip in regards to the news breaking from Michael Jordan. And I'm also going to give you, uh, you're going to also let you hear how the reason why they, they bumped him up to double A because they needed uh, the space for the media because he was going to be crazy. Michael Jordan and a minor league team was going to probably draw more, more audience than most baseball games. All right. It was crazy. Uh, check out. Enjoy the clip. Thank you all for coming out here today and getting a glimpse of Michael. After watching the progress that Michael has made in the past two months, I'd like to announce that the Chicago White Sox are extending an invitation to Major League Camp in Sarasota. Along with the Bulls, I own the Chicago White Sox. And when Michael was signed to play baseball, I continued paying his basketball contract, which is something over $3 million a year. There was no reason to pay him other than he was underpaid his entire career. And he made a lot of money for a lot of people. Picture this now. Bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, three and two. Michael Jordan takes one out of the yard. Michael Jordan got what he wanted. He is a rookie again. A lot of people may think this off the wall. Maybe it is, but I mean, I'm doing something that I choose to do. And that's try to follow one of the dreams that I had when I was a kid. You'd always love playing baseball. You know, we thought we was going to be major league baseball players, man, growing up as kids. He loves baseball, and his father always wanted him to play baseball. Do you recall your last conversation with him? We were debating, me and him. Uh, we were debating about me playing baseball. Dad, I want to go play baseball. I'm thinking about retiring. I want to go play baseball. And, you know, all the things that he was saying, do it, do it. Because he got me started in baseball. It was always his father's dream that he'd be a baseball player. And so I didn't try to talk him out of it, but I did say to him, you know, I, it's, playing baseball is a lot harder than you think it is. Playing baseball, like Mr. Reindorf said, is a lot harder than you think it is. I'm a baseball player. I grew up playing baseball. Baseball was a number one sport. Started playing since the age of eight. And then I also played basketball starting at the age of 12. So those are my two sports. I'm a short guy. I'm about 5'8". I was a decent baseball player enough to make it to certain levels. Basketball, I play, still play pickup game until nowadays because it's the easiest thing to go, pick up a basketball and go shoot around and, you know, pick, do a pickup game. But it is two completely different workouts, man. It is. And it does, and it does kind of like affect one each other's games. So a baseball player and a basketball player, uh, the workouts are completely different. The drills are completely different, which kind of uses different muscles of your body, which affects the game of, it affects each game. So if you're, if you're working out for baseball, it's going to affect your basketball game in regards to the muscle memory and vice versa. Two totally different games. And for somebody that's been playing basketball at this level, and the last time we played baseball, he was in high school. I think he was like 17 years old. That's how we got here in the next clip. 
it's tough, man. It's tough to come back and, and retrain that muscle memory in your mind, your body, and your soul to play at a higher level. And look, baseball is a number. I'm sorry. Baseball is a sports that the analytics are unbelievably insane. A 30, if you hit the ball 30% of the time, you consider a great baseball player. That's how difficult it is to hit a freaking baseball against a major league pro. Again, something that hand and eye coordination and muscle memory is different than what Michael Jordan has been doing for most of his life, which is playing basketball. It's a difficult challenge. And people are going to say, yeah, you, like you heard in the clip, they probably was calling him crazy because it is. It is crazy. I mean, you're the top dog in the NBA right now. You're the best. You're going to be the GOAT. You are the GOAT. And you're going to, you just won a three-peat, man, that Mike, that Larry, that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson could not accomplish. But, but Michael Jordan did. And you got to leave it at the top of your game to play baseball. It's nuts. I mean, when the news broke back then, man, everybody was like, what the, you know, what's going on over here? What do you mean? Man? What do you mean he's playing baseball? But yeah, it was crazy. And But only the GOAT, man. Only Michael Jordan can take a shift and jump from one sport to another. It's unbelievably insane for him to do that, and you gotta give him props. Michael, you gotta give him props for that, and he took on the challenge, because one thing about Michael, he doesn't back down from challenges, he's not afraid of challenges, he thrives to succeed. And even though he wasn't a successful baseball player, he put up some great numbers, considering. Considering, man, he put up some pretty good numbers at even players that were playing the game top prospects did not. So the next audio I'm going to play you guys is actually going to be uh, him starting his baseball career in the minor leagues all the way to pretty much him getting, uh, you know, getting starting the season and actually playing the season. And you're going to see kind of some of the ups and down, man. And then I'll give you my, my reaction on it. But it's pretty cool, man. He actually did, did some decent stuff. He actually did, did some really decent stuff in baseball. He he did better than most people would think. But of course, you know Michael Jordan is going to do better than most of anybody. If somebody was going to succeed in baseball without playing it for many, many years, you know, for like about 10, 15 years, and switch sports and was going to actually have a shot at becoming successful, it was going to be Michael Jordan. And in this clip, you're going to hear a very important fact about uh, the his uh, head coach, which actually... Um, that's Frank Cohen. No, it's not Frank Cohen. I forget his name. He's actually... He tells him that if Michael Jordan would have had... 1,500 at bats, Michael Jordan would have made the major leagues. Unbelievable. What a stat. If Michael Jordan would have had 1,500 at bats, he would have made the major leagues. That would have been unbelievable. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear in this clip his ups and downs and how he maneuvered to the minor leagues and um, what the public thought of him. He played baseball until he was 17 years old. Then doesn't play baseball again until he's 31 years old. We don't send anybody to double A after they come out of college or high school because it's, it's too high a level. We start them out either at rookie ball or at A ball. But we couldn't do that with Michael because the press facilities were inadequate below double A. So we put him at double A strictly because we needed to be able to handle the media. Michael Jordan went to the Birmingham Barons double-A farm team of the Chicago White Sox. When we found out he was coming to the Birmingham work group, there was about four days left in spring training. And I just said, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm Terry, and I guess I'm going to be your manager. I remember being in Birmingham, Alabama, 
you never in a zillion years would have thought you were in a minor league game. You, you can't believe commotion, the excitement. Never has one rookie gotten so much attention. Folks are lying on the ground for a glimpse of MJ. Reporters and photographers continue to arrive from all over the world. Every ballpark we go to sold out. Everybody wants a piece of them. Yeah, if they can't take their heat, get your ass out the kitchen. Being away from basketball gave him an opportunity to adjust his life to not having a dad and moving on. So when you weren't getting paid, 7.30? That fueled me more so than anything, and it drove me to make this thing work. I got to play catch up, but I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I had fucking blisters. Second skin, swinging that back bat. His swerk ethic was the best I've ever been around. He would hit early in the day. He'd hit off the breaking ball machine. He would come in after regular batting practice, hit some more before the game, and then would hit again after the game. By the time we got to August, you could see it just building. And he kept getting better and better and better. Come up in the seventh. It's a fly ball at feet of field at back and gone. And he hit over 200. That was amazing that he did that well. I can't believe he actually hit 202. And he drove in 50 runs. We had a lot of good prospects that didn't drive in 50 runs. In my opinion, with 1,500 at-bats, he'd have found a way to get to the major league. I think the time away in baseball freed his mind of, you know, obviously what had happened to his father. When you're on the road with a baseball team, that's who you're with. You know, your family doesn't travel with you, so you hang out with the guys that you're with. And that was all of his teammates. I think he enjoyed it immensely. Sure, I mean, I was this big icon, but, you know, they treated me just as, you know, I wanted to be treated, just one of the guys. It was kind of fashionable to roll your eyes at him playing baseball. After I met him, I realized quickly how much he respected what we were doing. One more pitch to Michael. A looping drive, and a score at The thing that people forget about that season was he started out with a 13-game hitting streak. Every night during that 13-game hitting streak, I'm kind of going, when's it going to happen? And finally it did. He did not see a fastball in the strike zone for probably a month and a half. Now they're trying to get him out with breaking balls, and it's breaking ball after breaking ball after breaking ball. And he's swinging at every one of them that came up there. Second strikeout in a row for Michael Jordan. Seen a lot of breaking balls the last two nights, has That hitting streak in April was kind of a fluke. At that point, the national media was just giving him some shit. I think his chances of being any good at all are almost nil. Can't make the play. Just because you're considered the best to have ever played basketball does not mean you'll find similar success on the diamond. And now they put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's missing a pitch by about that much. And it says, Baggett Michael, Jordan embarrasses baseball. I remember seeing that and thinking, oh no. He calls it his dream that he wants to be a major league baseball player. I call it a delusion. He never spoke to anybody from Sports Illustrated again. Did you feel betrayed by that SI cover? Definitely. I never was interviewed for that. They came out to critique me without understanding what my passion was at the time. If 
she had a question to ask. And then if you want to write it, then you write it. That's fine. No problem. That's your opinion. But I can care less what people do. This is what I want to do. It's not what I'm not doing what they think I should be doing. My father already told me I was doing the right thing. And I did it. Every superstar has haters and everybody hates on the on the goats, you know, on the best players in the league. LeBron, Kobe, and football Brady, and so forth. So they hated on Michael Jordan when he started failing, just like a lot of people hated on LeBron when he started losing in Miami. I was one of those people, by the way. Um, anyway, the fact that Sports Illustrated made that piece, you know, bunch of journalists, sports media people, ESPN said that he's nuts. You know, hey, it took a toll on him, but it motivated him. Remember, every time somebody goes at Jordan, he uses his fuel for motivation. That's why he's so competitive. That's why, he's, that's why he's the GOAT. That's why he's the best of all time. And that's what he did here. He hit a home run, drove 50 runs, had a 13-game winning streak. This is for somebody that hasn't touched a bat and a glove and a ball and since he was the age of 17. Truly amazing. And it was a good journey. And it was what he needed in order to get back to basics and motivate him to get back to basketball. He needed that break. He needed to mourn his dad's death away from basketball, something that was going to remind him over and over again that his father was not there watching his games. And I think in a way, he also did it for his pops. His pop wanted, always wanted him to play baseball. And he said, Dad, this is for you. I'm going to play ball, man, just for you. It's, it's an unbelievable accomplishment. As much of an insane and weird story that is, the best player in basketball decides to retire and play baseball, thinking that you know, you're going to have this horrendous career. Nah, man, 50 RBIs in the minor leagues is not too shabby. 202 is a little bit of a Mendoza line, but I'm telling you, you're considered a good player when you hit 300 and I started hitting the ball 30% of the time. The last clip of the, the last part of this documentary of episode seven focuses on basketball at the current moment while Jordan is playing baseball, right? And their, their, their focuses on how the team is doing with Pippen leading the team. And, you know, Tony Kukoc finally comes over and he's, he's a rookie and he's playing with the Bulls. And Tony Kukoc helped, helped that team immensely that year too, hitting a lot of game winning shots. And it's funny, I'm going to play you how much Pippen took over that team, how well he ran the, the actual triangle offense, how Kukoc, Phil wrote him because he was a heck of an offensive player. You know, typical Dirk Nowitzki can shoot from the outside. Uh, has actually can handle the ball for a big man. I remember about Tony for 6'10", 6'11", he could actually handle the rock, which is like the Euro style of playing. He wrote him because he was a horrible defensive player and he got on his ass to motivate him. And Pippen led the team, took over the team, ran the triangle off as great, was an all-star. The team was good. They, they, they made it to the playoffs. But then that game, uh, game against the Knicks when the Bulls were down 2-0, that coach hit that winning shot. Pippen got pissed off and sat down and said, I'm not going in. And it was one of those things that Pippen could not ever let down. It was one of those moments that I remember that specifically. I was watching that series. We beat the Bulls that series. But it was crazy because we're up to nothing. We're like, we got to take this down. Patrick just scored a, a shot, man, with like three seconds left. And Phil drew a play for Kukoc because Kukoc has been hitting a lot of shots this year. And Kukoc is a better shooter, big size. You, you know, it was, it was the right play. Pippen did not want to inbound the ball, as you're going to hear in this clip. And for all the work that Pippen did, kind of like just he just wrote it down in a matter of uh, just a minute. He does come back and, you know, they, they come back against the Knicks, but the Knicks do win the, uh, that playoff series. And we go again, the Knicks go again to play the Houston Rockets in the NBA finals. So I got to throw, I got to throw that in there and we lose Starks going like 0 for 20 or something like that. But it was crazy, man, because you see the, in this clip, you're going to hear the emergence of Ku coach, the role he played as a rookie and how Scotty people led the team and then how he, you know, kind of like messed up. 
uh, by quitting on the team because he quit. He quit on the team in that play. He comes back and makes amends, but you can see how Scottie Pippen and then Jordan's reaction, you know, come on, man, Pippen should have never done that. Another part of this documentary, and I'm going to end it with that, and I'm going to give you my closing thoughts afterwards, is this teammate's thought on Jordan, how competitive Jordan was. And this is fast forwarding to like 1998. Um, and they're telling him how, how much of an asshole kind of Jordan was and a tyrant he was in practice. And how he kind of bullied his teammates, man. Scott Burrell, for example, uh, Steve Kerr, everybody and their mother. How, how much of a bully this guy was because in practice he gave you hell. He really wanted to make sure that if you cannot handle what he's dishing you, what Jordan said, and what I'm dishing you, then you're not ready to be in the playoffs. You're not ready to win. And it's amazing to hear his former players, BJ Armstrong, Steve Kerr, and everybody else of how much of, of kind of an asshole he was in, on, on, in practice and how he bullied you around and, and kind of like he was using tough love to toughen up his teammates. Pretty crazy. This clip is pretty cool, man. I'm gonna, it's got to be probably about uh, this is the last clip I'm going to play. Uh, you're going to look at about uh, probably like five minutes worth of audio here and is definitely everything that has to do more like more like six to close it out. And is everything from Pippin taking over the team, quitting the team, Tony Kukoc's emergence uh, and also how great the team did without Jordan while he was still playing baseball. And of course, uh, Jordan's tenacity and work ethic uh, with the team. Scotty was our prime motivator, initiator, organized the offense. He you know, really stepped into that role. How did the team do that first season? Great. They had nobody yelling at them. They got up plenty of shots. Michael would just bludgeon everybody around him. And Scotty was the much softer touch. You know, he was the guy who would sort of comfort you when things weren't going well and put his arm around you and if they hang in there, you'll be all right. Everyone expected me to try to be the man, but we beat teams by committee and we just learned to play together and share the ball and, and win together. That particular season, when Michael was gone, that was the season filled with his best coaching. Coach, I heard Chuck Daly the other day say, uh, let's see the triangle offense work now without Michael. Did he really say that? Yeah. Okay, wait till I see Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody criticizes the triangle and says, yeah, well, it works when you have Michael, you know, then it works. But that one year, his star player was Pippen, who is not a scorer. He's a facilitator. And they ran the triangle to perfection. Well, I, I, I understood that part. That they come in here, not, nothing's going to be given to me just because I was a... Uh, really good in Europe. Obviously, you need a time to prove some things to each other. That season, we were winning a lot. And the Chicago Bulls will advance and round this number two, the final I felt, okay, there is a chance we might actually get to the NBA Finals without Michael. We ended up playing the Knicks in the East Semis. We're down 2-0, and we were trying to get back in the series. Patrick Ewing made a shot with about two seconds left to tie the game, and uh, you know we were at risk of losing the whole series right there. Chicago, they have taken their last timeout to set up a shot with 1.8 seconds on the clock. So we come to the bench, and 
I have this sequence that Tony has run before and he scored before on it. I know he can do this. I did hit a lot of last second shots during the season. Anyway, I set this up and then Scotty was angry about it. I felt like it was an insult uh, coming from Phil. I was the most dangerous guy on our team. So why are you asking me to take the ball out? This is a season where he's taken the role of Michael. He's had this MVP caliber season. He thought it should be him taking the shot. And so Jim Clemens came over and said, Scotty's not going in. Phil said, what do you mean he's not going in? And I go down and I said, are you in or out? And he said, I'm out. I remember Phil, Phil said, fuck him. Pete Myers, come on in. When Pip refused to go in that game, it was like a Twilight Zone moment. Like, what the hell is going on? Scotty's going to sit here. That's strange, isn't it? Scotty would sit on this. 1.8 left. No timeouts left for the Bulls. Myers triggers an inbounds pass. Who goes for the wall? Well, I was obviously happy for making the shot, but the whole situation, even going towards the locker, you, you, you see everybody is like pissed that, that, that things are not right. We don't know how to act. Because Scotty's one of our favorite teammates, one of our favorite people in the world. He quit on us. And that we couldn't believe that happened. It was, uh, it, it was devastating. We all know Michael's tenacious on the court. It was business when it was on the court. But he was a good guy to be around off the court. He can relax. Relax around him off the court. He's fun. He's enjoyable. <laughs> off the floor, he was going to be cordial. He was going to be accepting. He was going to be nice. But as a teammate, he had certain expectations. Was he a nice guy? He couldn't have been nice. With that kind of mentality he had, he can't be a nice guy. He would be difficult to be around if you didn't truly love the game of basketball. He is difficult. Through the years, you think that intensity has come at the expense of being perceived as a nice guy? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, winning has a price, and leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenge people when they don't want to be challenged, and I earned that right because my teammates who came after me didn't endure all the things that I endured. Once you join the team, you live in a certain standard that I played the game. And I wasn't gonna take any less. Now, if that means I had to go in there and get in your ass a little bit, then I did that. You asked all my teammates? One thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. When people see this, they 
going to say, well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant. Well, that's you. Because you never wanted anything. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. That's some powerful shit, man. I mean, how can you end? He's ending with tears in his eyes. I wish you guys can watch as you will on Sunday. I will put this clip on Twitter because it's powerful. But the first half of this clip, Pippen fucked up. He quit on the team. He's a fucking quitter. Bottom line. Everybody in that team knows it. Michael Jordan knew it. Pippen knew it. But regardless of the fact, regardless of making amends, that was huge. They still won the game, but it was a huge sign of what Pippen is and what Pippen is is not Michael Jordan. Pretty great sidekick, but not the leader of a team. Pretty much it. Now, the end of this clip, the second half of this clip is, is powerful because it, it shows what these teammates think of Michael Jordan. And there's one thing everybody's going to say about Michael Jordan, right? He said it at the end. There was nothing that I that they didn't do that I did not do or do it twice as hard. I worked out twice as hard as they did. I showed up twice as much as they did, and I led by example. Michael Jordan leads by example, and his example is determination, hard work, and he's going to put his body, his mind, his soul through all the pain and suffering, regardless of his status as a superstar or the best player in the NBA, just like anybody else. And I want to be first at the line, first at the drills, first at practice. Nobody's going to do better than I am. I'm going to show my team that, if I can do it, so can they. That's why he was such an asshole. That was he was such a tyrant. It's just determination, man. Pure determination. He's a leader. He's a leader on and off the court. As private life as he has, I mean, to earn $2.1 billion, man, just based on the fact that he only earned $94 million as his NBA salary and he'd be a billionaire, says a lot about him. His determination and work ethic. Bottom line, he leads by example. Powerful shit, man. This is like, this document, this episode was, it blew my mind. It was insane how, you know, I, you know how they go back and forth. They fast forward and they go backwards. And it's funny, they ended up with fast forward to 98, you know, the playoffs and how they, they play tough against the Nets, but they're finally, they're making the Eastern Conference finals. But then they show how, you know, hey, man, he was a tough teammate. He was a tough teammate to be around, but he did it because he wanted his teammates to be better. He goes, get on my back and I'm going to carry you, but you got to do your part. And he says, your part is not to sit down, it's to get up and play. Difference between him and Pippen quitting on his teammates in that series against the Knicks when Michael Jordan was uh, playing baseball and was out of basketball. Unreal. He's the GOAT, man. He's the best. I am going to be uh, playing a lot of these clips on my Twitter account. I'm going to be tweeting a lot of these. Uh, hopefully I won't get busted or caught. I did it last week before the episodes aired. I actually put some, uh, I aired some, you know, I did some, I tweet some videos. I'm going to do some clips. I got to blur certain things out, but 
look, a lot of these audio, a lot of the audio I played today, it's gonna, I'm gonna be tweeting them out uh, actually tonight. And I wanna give you this content before it airs out this Sunday. Today is Friday, uh, the 8th, 9.38 p.m. I'm about to finalize this material here, get it up there uh, on my uh, on my platform. So check me out, check out me on Twitter, see below for all my platforms that I'm gonna post this at. And yeah, man, it's time to get busy. It's time to get busy here. And we'll definitely uh, hope you enjoyed it. It's actually, I think, one of my best work. Played a lot of audio, man. It was hard because I couldn't download this audio and put it directly into my um, my software here. I had to like kind of like play it over the mic. So the quality is a little distorted. It's still good. It's still very knowledgeable. You can still hear it. But um, shit, man, what a, what an episode seven. And then I'm going to start working on episode eight to give you the same content and post it by tomorrow. So enjoy. Enjoy the last dance. Your boy's here giving you fresh and be and, and, and hey breaking news content here before it even airs out on sunday appreciate the love thank you for listening i'm on a new platform i'm an anchor fm you're gonna see all the descriptions i'm getting play like crazy here and um follow me on twitter follow me subscribe to the podcast all right show me love hit me up i appreciate my loyal listeners thank you to my new listeners your boy e-man signing out peace